contemplate all of the, the khandhas, all form, feeling, uh, perception or memory, uh, thoughts and consciousness as arising, lasting for a while and ceasing. To see it all in this light of impermanence, whether it's physicality or mentality, we view it in this way. But the problem arises when our mindfulness isn't up to speed. We're not able to be aware of things as they happen. And so the mind then goes and attaches to these things as being me and being mine. If there's any feeling that comes up, we take this as me. If there's any uh, sanya or memory perception, we view this as being me. There's sankara or thoughts or proliferation that happens. We take that as being me. Or if there's vinyana, this element of knowing, um, if our mindfulness isn't up to scratch, if it's not up to speed, then we understand that that's me that knows. But really, it's just arising and ceasing. So all of the pleasant feelings that we've had in the past, where are they now? We attach to them as being a self then, but where are they now? So whatever feelings they are, whether it's pleasant feelings, whether they're painful feelings, they just arise and cease. And all of the pleasant or painful feelings that we experience in this present moment, they're also arising and ceasing in this present moment as well. But we go and take these things as being a self. We uh, overlay that meaning upon them. But really, there's no true self within any of it. It's just uh, change, uh, stress, and uh, not-self. But if our mindfulness isn't there, then we don't understand this, and we go and attach to these things as being me and being mine. The mind will go and proliferate um, and overlay that meaning upon any uh, physicality or mentality that we experience. And so like the vinyana, this uh, sense consciousness that arises, um, we take that as being a self as well. So if we see anything, we can ask ourselves, well, if there was no light, would we be able to see that? Or if we were blind, then would we have this image? Or if there was no mind here, would we see this image? And it's the same with uh, any other contact that we experience. If there's sounds that we hear, if, if there was no noise or if there were was no ear, or if we were deaf, then there would be no contact and no feeling that arises. So when we experience any of these sense objects in our mind, if um, our mind isn't able to be up to speed with them, then we'll go and attach to them as being a self. Whatever uh, pleasant or unpleasant feelings that arise, then there'll be a sense of self that comes up through that, and the mind will then be caught into liking and disliking. 
So the Buddha taught this in the way of uh, Paticca Samapada, the dependent origination, that there's avijja, there, ignorance, which gives rise to sankhara. And then there's a whole process which happens uh, that leads on to suffering. And really this is the kilesis, the defilements in our heart that cause us to suffer. And we can see that this uh, Paticca Samapada, it arises and it acts right here in this present moment. This process of suffering that goes on in our minds, it, it's happening right now. There's becoming and birth occurring constantly in our hearts. So the Buddha taught the way out of this, the way out of the cycle of birth and death, and the way to free ourselves from the kilesas, and also to uh, take ourselves out of the outside of the realm of actions, of kama and uh, vibhaka kama actions and their results. So he taught this way to free us from suffering, and this path is the one of sila samadhi panya, of morality, of uh, concentration, of the collectedness of mind, and of wisdom. So this starts off with sila, which we can understand as being the restraint and the collectedness of our uh, physical actions and of our speech, um, collecting them in within the bounds of what's good and what's uh, polite and appropriate. We then move on to uh, the stage of developing samadhi, which is the the mind that's well-grounded and collected in we do this by having mindfulness at our breath, knowing our breath as it comes in and leaves our body. And this is anapanasati, uh, which we can take up as our kamatana, as our meditation object. So we have our awareness here in the present moment, recollecting the breath, knowing it as it comes in and as it leaves. And we're focused at this one point, or we can take up just one point uh, within our body to focus on the breath. This will then give rise to uh, vitaka and vichara, the initial application and the sustained application of the mind. And this helps to remove doubts from our minds. And as we follow on, then joy or rapture will arise and there'll be a feeling of fullness in the heart and then happiness comes up. The mind then enters into a state of stillness where it's not shaken. And we can understand that as being ekakada, the one placidness of mind. So as we do this, then we develop samadhi to one degree, and there's a certain level of peace that comes up within that. We have vitaka and vichara there, in our minds, which give rise to rapture and happiness, as piti and sukha, which then leads on to peace within our hearts. And then when the mind is peaceful, then these five factors of samadhi will be constantly working uh, within the heart. As we carry on developing samadhi to more refined degrees, then the joy and the happiness that we experience will become uh, clearer and clearer until it kind of clears out of the mind. And 
the mind experiences upeka or equanimity at that point. And this is a very refined level of samadhi practice. But it's also possible for practitioners when they reach this uh, depth of samadhi to take that as being nibbana, to take that as being the end of the practice. They think that they've already experienced the Dhamma and they've uh, tasted Nibbana or um, can attain to Nibbana. But really it's just uh, Samadhi at work. The mind that's very focused in, that's suppressing the Kilesas, but the Kilesas are still there. There's still greed, hatred and depression and um, delusion within the mind. So it's possible for practitioners to be deluded by these states and to think that because they've gained the samadhi and they're experiencing all this joy and peace and the kilesas don't feel like they're present, to believe that they've attained to the Dhamma. And this is what can happen when samadhi is very strong. But when the mind leaves that state of samadhi, then it'll just go and attach to things uh, like before. There's any forms, um, any uh, sounds or tastes, anything that we experience, then the mind will just go and attach to that again. So it's important for us to always maintain our mindfulness, uh, which will help us to uh, keep our peace of mind. This will lead to a deeper level of samadhi and a samadhi that's very clear. Some people say that this cultivation of samadhi is not important because maybe they've experienced these things before. They think that they've um, attained to uh, a very deep level of peace, that they've uh, gone through joy and rapture and happiness. And um, they may think that this isn't all that important. Maybe it's just the joy that comes from kanika samadhi or this momentary or minor samadhi. But they may understand that what they really have is a much deeper level of samadhi. They may think that they've attained to third jhana. But really, they're just deluded by this. Um, they don't actually know what's going on. They think that it's a very deep level of jhana and that they've attained to maga and pala already, the, the path and its fruits already. So it's important for us to always have a mindfulness present so we don't get deluded by these things. And the awakened teachers, they always taught that if we think we have jhana or we think we've attained to some special state, just tell ourselves that it's not sure, it's impermanent. If we think that we've uh, become a sotapanna, that's not sure, that's unstable. So we always contemplate and use this teaching of anicca in this way in order to give rise to wisdom. So if we think we have attained to being a sotapanna, then we just see that that thought, that belief is anicca, dukkha, anatta. And we try not to 
attach to any of it. Try not to get, um, to let our mind go and get involved and cling to it. Because what we're doing as we practice is that we're abandoning the qualities or the states of being something and having something, being someone. So whether we think that um, all matters of becoming a Sotapanna or becoming a Sakadagami or an Anagami or an Arahant, these are all just conventions that the mind creates. We think we've attained to that level, but it's important to not attach to any thoughts like this. Even though some people may have reached these levels and they may speak about them, they're just talking about it on the level of samuti, on the level of convention. But really, they've also abandoned uh, the attachment to that as well. So if people gain a very strong level of uh, samadhi to the point where the mind gathers together in just one point, then it's possible that they won't really understand what that state is. There won't be um, much wisdom around that, around all of the, the joy and the happiness that comes up. And they won't have much understanding about those states. But whatever the case, we do need to keep our mindfulness uh, all the time. Because if our mindfulness is weak, then uh, we won't be able to develop along this path of practice. So if it does weaken and the level of calm that we were previously able to attain to just doesn't arise, then we need to come back to the basics of the practice. We need to use our meditation word or a mantra again, you know, bring that back into the heart again and again, whether it's Buddha or Dhamma or Sangha, we always um, keep that as a recitation in the hearts. We try to come and contemplate again and always bring up our samadhi again and again. And as we do this, then the calm that we have will develop further and we will be able to uh, reach the same levels that we were able to before. And this happened for myself as well, that uh, previously I'd uh, passed through many different things, many different stages of the practice. And there were some stages where there was great joy and happiness that arose. And at times it lasted for many months. But whatever stage we're on, we need to carry on doing the practice and keep at it in a slow or in a steady manner. So not to throw away the practice in any way, but always to maintain our, our mindfulness and to be constantly cultivating our hearts. To be bringing up the meditation object that we're skilled at and going over that again. As we keep up with the practice, then our contemplation will become more effective and we'll be able to separate different things out and see them clearly. And we'll gain 
a knowledge into truth uh, by ourselves. We can know where we are on the practice, exactly what stage we've reached and how much we have left to do. But it's important not to tell anyone to go about bragging about this as well. We just know that there's no self in this, that any type of physicality or mentality, it's all unstable, stressful, not self. So like, if someone says that they're a sotapanna, well, where is that? Where is a sotapanna? Is the sotapanna in their body? Is it in the form? Is it in the feelings? Is it in perception or memory? Is a sotapanna thought? Is a sotapanna sense consciousness? All of these things, they're not sure. They're unstable. They're anicca, dukkha, anatta. And any knowledge that we gain from our practice, what that's coming from is sila, samadhi, and panya. It's not coming from us. So we just let all of these things go. We keep our minds here in the present moment. And as we're able to do this, then we slowly let go and abandon the kilesas and any form of attachment that we might have. Knowledge and vision then arises and we're able to um, see into the nature of conventions. This may reach the stage of uh, Sakadagami or Anagami. Um, and as we slowly abandon the kilesas, uh, greed, hatred and delusion, then it'll reach the stage of Arahant. But we always follow this path, this path of sila, samadhi and banya. Carry on doing it and um, wisdom will arise. But it's also possible for there to be delusion coming up as well as we uh, carry on with the practice. And we can think that we've attained to a level that we haven't actually attained to. And this is the uh, defilements of, or the corruptions of uh, vipassana or insight, making us believe things that aren't true. So some people get into very deep stages of peace and calm, and they attach to that and um, give that the meaning that they've abandoned the kilesas already. But really this is just Kilesa, the defilements, uh, the uh, corruptions of vipassana that are coming about. And it's especially easy for this to arise when the mind is in a very bright and joyful state. And we can think that we've already attained to maga and pala, the path and the fruits. But we need to take great care at this point. And Ajahn Chah taught to see it all as just being anicca, to tell ourselves, this is a Nietzsche, this is a Nietzsche. So if we think that we've arrived at the state of Sotapanna, it's a Nietzsche, it's not sure. If we think we're a Sakadagami, that's not sure. If we think we're an Arahant, that's even less sure. So we always have uh, mindfulness there and always bringing up wisdom in this manner to prevent ourselves from falling into delusion, to 
prevent the belief that we are this or we are that. So Ajahn Chah taught for us to not attach to anything, any claims that we are something. Some people believe that they're a sotapanna and they tell other people about it and those people don't believe them. And then they get all fussed about that and they start suffering. And some people believe that they're an arahant. And when they tell other people, then these people don't believe them. And then they, they suffer over that. But how's that possible? An arahant doesn't have any kilesas. So how are they going to suffer because other people don't believe them? So the great teachers, they taught us that this all needs to be something that we know and experience for ourselves. It's to be experienced for the wise by themselves. We can see that the, these great teachers, that it's like their mind is one thing and the moods and emotions that they express are something else entirely. But none of the actions that they produce or that they commit produce any karma. Whether they have the personality or have the habit of speaking in a very harsh and severe way, or whether they speak very gently, um, that's just uh, the personality functioning. But the mind doesn't attach to that. There is action there, actions of body and speech, but there's no karma that arises. And there's no clinging to any of those actions as well. The mind is one thing and the objects of the mind are another thing and they've been separated out. And Ajahn Chah once taught that it's difficult to tell between an arahant and someone who's insane. It's difficult to, to make that separation because one is the highest and the other is the lowest but they look the same. As we practice, we need to keep our mindfulness and always have wisdom there so that we know for ourselves what's going on. To always be telling ourselves that these things are not sure, they're not sure, and this is the means for wisdom to arise in our hearts. When we practice in this way and we come to an understanding, then we'll be able to let go. We'll see that Everything is of the nature to arise and cease, and it all falls under the characteristics of instability, of stress, and not self. Ajahn Chah once told a story of a monk who believed that he was an arahant, but then he was able to regain his mindfulness and bring up wisdom he was able then to see that that wasn't actually the case and he could let go of that belief that he had. So it's really important for us to always have our minds here um, and to bring up wisdom so that we can uh, let go of these beliefs about false, false attainments. Whenever we are close to Anicca, then at that point we're close to the Buddha and we're close to the Dhamma. So we should always look at things, whatever arises in that light, whatever thoughts come up, whether they're good thoughts or bad thoughts, they're not sure, they will change. 
whether we like something, whether we dislike something, we tell ourselves, this isn't sure. If there's uh, certain foods that we really like, we tell ourselves that's not sure. Because if we eat that food often, or we only eat that food, it won't take long for us to become fed up with it. So we can see that it's really not sure. Or if we really like someone, there's one person that we were infatuated with, that's not sure as well. So we bring up these thoughts um, and recollect anicca, contemplate in this way. And as we do this and practice like this, then wisdom will come up as well. But if that wisdom isn't up to speed, then we'll go and attach to the five khandhas, um, the aggregates as being me and mine. And this is a cause for suffering to arise in the heart. Another quality that's very important is that of samadhi, the collectedness and the well-grounded mind. Some people make the claim that samadhi isn't important, that it's not necessary to have it, that all we need is wisdom. But really, the results of samadhi is the arising of wisdom. And if we don't have the samadhi, then the very refined or detailed wisdom just won't be able to arise in our hearts. The only panya that will come up will be that from the things that we've heard and the things that we've read. It'll just be thoughts there in our minds. And this is sutta maya panya. But it's not theorizing of bhavana maya panya, which is the wisdom that comes through uh, practice, through direct knowing. It's only when our minds can settle into peace that this form of wisdom can arise. So we should always be taking care of our minds, trying to maintain the level of peace that they have. And when we're able to do this, this gives the opportunity for the Dharma to arise in our hearts, for us to contemplate this Dharma so that uh, discernment or wisdom can come up. And then we're able to let go of the emotions that we feel. So if we're someone who gets angry a lot, we'll be able to let go of that and put that down. But it all depends on our samadhi. And if we don't have samadhi, then wisdom just can't arise. So this path of practice is firstly developing our morality, which allows for samadhi to come up. And then when samadhi is well established, then that provides the cause for wisdom to come up. As wisdom manifests, then we'll gain uh, knowledge, and that knowledge will be able to uh, free us from the cycle of suffering, and we'll attain to vimuti, or liberation. We'll be able to extract with the cling that we have towards all of the experiences that we have. So Ajahn Chah taught that we should always have our wisdom here, knowing what's happening right now in the present moment. Abandoning all of the attachment and the wrong views that we are involved in in this present moment. 
And as we cultivate this way of practice, then the mind will clear out and it will become empty. It will turn very bright and radiant. And this all comes from this way of practice of Sila Samadhi and Banya. It's possible to understand that this brightness is Maga and Pala. But it's really important to always be contemplating into those understandings that uh, we come up with to see that those thoughts are anicca, dukkha, anatta. Anything that arises in our mind, it's not sure, it's impermanent. So we always try and keep our mindfulness and wisdom there. And we don't um, yet believe in anything. Even when we hear something, we, we try to uh, have our wisdom there, not yet uh, believing whether that's true or not, but investigating into it to see whether or not it is actually true. <laughs> 